Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone online. Good to see everyone here. I, I, we were not sure who was going to show up with the hurricane kind of pending here, and it's like sunny day outside, and it's ahead of the beach after this. But, um, but good to see everyone here. So, so excited that folks did show up this morning. And uh, for those watching online, we're glad you're tuning in and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and jumping on, on our online website um, streaming. I'm Brian Robinson, one of the uh, leaders here on staff at University Church. Um, I went to the beach yesterday. I love to surf, and um, it's, the waves are just huge. If you've not been out there, I, I mean, go out there today before it gets crazy, but like the waves are just gigantic, you know, and I went, went surfing with, uh, with Cole and Danny, and uh, I wanted to show a few pictures real fast. Just the first picture, that's me. No, actually, that's, that's Danny. Sorry, that's Danny. He's, he's incredible. Okay, let's, let's do me. Next picture, maybe. That's me there. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a special move I learned in, in, uh, in a mission trip. Anyway, next one. That's me again. Yeah, that's, no, I'm just kidding. That's not me. That's a new move, though. It's a new move called the ninja, ninja jump. And then this one is, well, that's supposed to be Cole, but that, that's pretty much Cole Fowler. He's a stud. He was there with me yesterday. And then lastly, the huge wave I surfed, that's me right there. That's me. It was huge, guys, terrifying waves, almost knee-high right there, almost knee-high. I, I had a full scholarship in surfing back in the war. Okay. Well, let's pray before we get started as we uh, finish out this series called Counter Kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, your love for us this morning. Thank you for the powerful worship and also testimonies, Lord. They just remind us that you are with us through all things, God, that you're good and that you're the king and that you're the father who loves us, Father, and you're able to heal hearts. So I pray, Lord, you come, Holy Spirit. I pray your words would come through my voice and that you would speak what you want us to uh, here this morning, that, that uh, your word would be proclaimed. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so we're finishing out this series, Counter Kingdom. It's, uh, it's been a great series, go through each beatitude, and this is the final beatitude. Basically, as, as we mentioned earlier, this is the progressive thing. When Jesus shared the beatitudes, he wasn't just randomly saying things. He's, he said a certain, certain things a certain way because they're progressive. And he, uh, he kind of climaxes with this last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted, those who are suffering on my account for my name. The first three beatitudes were like the foundation, the roots of the whole series, the whole idea that being, being, being poor in spirit, mourning over our sin, and what was the last one? Uh, pursuing him with impurity. Poverty of spirit, mourning, and meekness, sorry, humility. Those three were the roots of the, the whole life in Christ. Those things produce in us a hunger for righteousness, being merciful to other people, and um, being peacemakers, and, and being a pure in heart, pure in spirit. So the roots are those three. The next four, we just, I just shared, that's what's produced from that. And the final one is not actually in action. All those things I just mentioned, those are all attitudes or actions. Purity, peacemaking, showing mercy. All those are actions or attitudes, pursuing righteousness. The final one, persecution, is what happens if we choose to live with those attitudes of heart. And it's interesting that Jesus finishes with this one. And he talks about if you live this way, if you choose to show mercy, if you mourn over your sin, if you're broken in spirit, if you are pursuing hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that what's going to happen is you're going to experience rejection from the world. You're going to experience rejection culturally, socially, uh, emotionally. You're going to experience rejection. You're going to experience persecution. And this is a hard topic. This is not popular in America. This is not something you even really see on the surface many times in our country, but it's beginning to happen more and more. And 
the Lord wants us to highlight this, I believe, in this, in this season that, that we would remember and we'd be preparing ourselves for what's coming, as Diane even shared, that there's genuinely, I believe, persecution coming, not just, you know, like it's hard to be a Christian, but real persecution in America for those who are hungering and thirsting for what is right. When you hunger for, to do what is right, the world, for the most part, is, is, is turned off by that. You know, I think some of us think that if Jesus walked in the room, the whole world would just flock to Jesus, would love him, would jump on, jump on board with what he's doing. But they didn't the first time. And the reality is there are people that are broken and hungry that would, would run to Jesus. But in many ways, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness is repulsed by it. So yes, Jesus is calling some people to himself who are broken and hungry. But in another way, very real way, when he shows the light in the darkness, the darkness is repulsed by it. And so when we choose to live rightly, when we choose to live lovingly, mercifully, the world may look at us and go, I can't stand this. I can't stand this. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Why? Romans 8, 7. Because the mind governed by the flesh, the carnal mind, the, the mind that is not renewed by the Holy Spirit, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. John three twenty. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light for the into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And so, more and more, as we choose to live rightly, as we choose to live holy lives set apart, truth set apart, we're going to experience persecution. This has happened for two thousand years. This has happened throughout history. The reality is, those who have gone hard after God have been have been some of the greatest uh, martyrs of our faith in, in, in years past. Let me read the scripture first. Matthew 5, 10, and 11. This is how he finishes the whole Beatitudes series here. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he makes it personal. He looks at, I believe he's looking at his, his disciples, and he says, he, he, said, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the only time he did that. He looked at his disciples and said, in the second person, blessed are you. You're going to suffer. Every one of you is going to die on account of me, except for Judas. But he, he, he died too. But the reality is he, every one of those people died or, or persecuted for Jesus. He looked at him and said, blessed are you when you're insulted. So there's emotional, social rejection. Persecution, physical, torture. Early Christians were cut in half. They were thrown to lions. They were burned at the stake. They put Christians around the city and set them on fire. They were called bonfires. And they put Christians on the stakes and set them on fire. It's graphic. All throughout history this has happened. The greatest leaders in the Bible, the greatest prophetic people, they, they suffered. Nehemiah was rejected for wanting to be, rebuild the wall. Jeremiah was thrown into the bottom of a cistern. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and almost killed there. His friends were thrown in the fiery furnace and they were saved. John the Baptist was beheaded. Stephen was stoned to death as a first Christian martyr. Paul was tortured so many times. 
Hebrews 11.35 says, There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they may gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that, they, that, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This picture is the idea of the persecuted church. In Revelation, there's like an idea that the full number of martyrs killed for their faith are coming in. They're washed in white robes with the blood of the lamb. And when the full number comes in, God dispenses justice, begins to dispense justice on the earth. Dispense justice on the earth. This idea is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to swallow in America. It's hard, to, it's hard to experience. There have been a few times in my life I've experienced it. I mean, not, not, in, not in serious ways, in, in my opinion. I was, I was an employee. At, I did sales for a long time. And there was a culture, and this one, one job I had, there was a culture of deception. It was just deception. To make a sale, it was completely expected to lie, to deceive, because the ends justified the means. The ends were you had a sales quota, and you're supposed to make the sale, so you were supposed to twist the truth, add to it, upsell, whatever, whatever it may be, to make ends meet. And I wouldn't do it, and so I was jeered, I was judged, I was made fun of for my, you know, whatever it was, my faith. That was minor when I was a young life leader in college, I was a sophomore. I was a, a leader at a private school in Gainesville. And this school was pretty hostile, in, 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 all, in all honesty. They were pretty hostile to the gospel. The kids were mostly the kids who were university professors' kids, and they were, they were just rough. They did, they did not like me. They did not, didn't like what I stood for. I would go to the games. I'd go to the lunches. I'd hang out with the kids who you know, wanted something to do with me. But for the most part, they just didn't like me. And it was a small private school, so everyone knew who I was. And I remember one year, I was going to an event. It was a talent show. And I was probably like 19, 20 years old. So they weren't that much older. They, they weren't that much younger than me. So they were like, you know, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds. And I, I, this, the, the acts are going on. And finally, this one act comes up. And this kid walks out, and he has a Young Life sign. It says, Young Life Tonight. And I realize he's, he's playing me. And the kid begins to try to hand out flyers to the other kids on the stage in the act. And they're like, get that out of here. You're such a loser. Why do you, why do you come up to our school? You're in college. Why do you waste your time? We don't, we don't like you. Don't you get it? And I'm sitting there in the audience going, oh, my gosh. I'm just like kind of slouching back in my chair. And, and I just was like so embarrassed, so broken that I'd spent hours and hours, you know, going up there trying to, trying to love kids for Christ. And the, the response was this kind of mockery and rejection. I wanted to beat him up. I mean, I, he was like a year younger than me. I was like, if I see that kid next year when he graduates, I'm going to destroy him because I, I used to work out. But, um, but no, but I mean, I didn't have this perspective. I, I didn't go, well, blessed are the persecuted. <laughs> Bless, thank you, Jesus, for this persecution. <laughs> Happy am I <laughs> who are persecuted. I was like, I'm going to kill that kid. Um, but, the, but, the, but the reality was that's what, that's what was happening. Like the Lord was saying, can you enter in this moment with me. Like, do, do you understand this is what I went through times a hundred? Like, and my people have gone through times a hundred. Like, do, do you know this is normal? That when you shine the light in darkness, the darkness may not understand it. The darkness may not want it. The darkness may actually persecute and reject you back. 
Around the world, persecution is commonplace. We're in one of the worst seasons in history for Christian persecution. Thousands of Christians die every year. Hundreds of thousands of Christians lose their jobs, lose their property. They're removed from their families. They're trafficked. They're, they're, they're rejected by society. Terrible things are happening in China. Again, 5,000 churches were destroyed last year alone in China. There was a whole underground movement that was being more and more accepted in China. It came to the surface, and now they're just squashing it again. It's happening all over the world, Christian persecution. Throughout history, we've, we've seen read stories about Jim Elliott who was martyred and killed by Indians in South America. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in World War II was, was killed for his faith for standing against Hitler. He said this, he said, taking up the cross is never simply a matter of suffering, but a matter of suffering rejection for Jesus. It's not just about being good or, or standing for something that's noble or being rejected because you're different. You're standing up, you're, you're walking in holiness and in love and in purity, and you're being rejected for that. This is, again, not a popular thing to talk about in America, but I believe we're experiencing that. Leonard Ravenhill was a prophetic voice 50 years ago. He said this, to give us some perspective, he said this, this quote, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecution. The church today in America is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. The early church was married to it. They were expected poverty. They expected persecution. They experienced imprisonment. And the church in America, in many ways, has experienced prosperity. We love personalities and popularity. And that's changing. And that's changing. I feel like the things are just being swept and shaken in, the, in our midst through this COVID thing, through the, what we're seeing happening in the news every day. And there's this change happening. And, and, and will we, as Christians, be able to stand against the tide? Will we be able to stand in love, not in hatred, but in true love and what, what's happening there's a story of um, a man who was a, a Christian pastor. His name was Ro, uh, Richard Wormbrand. There's a documentary called Tortured for Christ that just came out recently, I think, that's about, about, uh, about his life. He was a pastor in Romania during World War II, and after World War II, uh, the Nazis all left and the, and the Russians all came in. The communist Russia came in to Romania and all of the Eastern Bloc, and they began to kill and imprison Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians. He was a pastor. He was told he couldn't preach the gospel anymore, and he chose to keep preaching the gospel. So he was put in prison for 14 years. Solitary, solitary confinement for three years. Solitary confinement. No person, no, no exposure to people. He would preach the gospel. He would preach sermons every night to himself just to not lose his sanity. And so he was, he was beaten. He was tortured. He was put in prison. Finally, they bribed the, the prison, and they, they paid $10,000 to get him out of prison. His story is, is remarkable. He talks about the evils of, of communism, of atheism, of Marxism. He wrote a book called Marx and Satan. It's a, it's a pretty interesting book. But he talks about the reality of the blessedness of persecution, the blessedness of suffering for Jesus. He said, the most joyful Christians I've ever known are those in the underground church experiencing social persecution and those in prison experiencing physical persecution. The most joyful. Because Corrie Boom said, Corrie Boom said that um, you can never know that Christ is all you need until he's all you have. And that's what happens. That's what happened to him. That's what happened to many, many Christians in, in that season. All these pastors were rounded up and put in these prisons and tortured for what they were doing. And what happened was if they didn't let bitterness take root or offense and they truly let the Lord shine through them, they felt love for the very people 
that were persecuting them and torturing them. And it's an amazing story, this story that he, he talks about. He talks about a, a, one of the torturers saying, I am the Almighty as your God is supposed to be. I can kill you. The Christian said, the power is all on my side. I can still love you while you torture me to death. What a shocking idea this is in our American mind. Like, rather than revolt against someone who rejects us, someone who persecutes us, rather, lash, rather than lash back on social media or whatever it may be, we receive it in love and we respond in love. And we can experience something that other Christians may never experience, the love for someone who hates you the love of the Father implanted in us and through us. So Wormbrand tells a story about being in, this, in these prisons, this communist prison. This is, he, said, he said 14 years of prison was all worthwhile because of this one event. It was on Christmas Eve, one of his last, his last months in prison. There was another pastor next to him. He'd, he'd been beaten so badly he was, he was ready to die. And he was in the, in the prison cell with Wormbrand, Richard Wormbrand. And they bring in another prisoner. And it was a torturer who'd been torturing them for years. He himself had been arrested, and he was put in jail. And they just tortured him to the point where he was, was going to die. So this atheist communist is sitting in the same cell with the people he had been torturing and killing for years. And Wormbrand is like, in a normal prison, you, you think they're going to they're kill this guy. Like They're all, they're all going to just gang up on and kill this, this, this uh, you know, officer, the communist officer. But, but they didn't. This Christian pastor, he's, he's picked up, he's, he's, so bad, he's, he's so close to death, they pick him up, they bring him over to his bed, he begins to caress his head, the, the, the torturer, the communist, and he says, I'll just read what he says, he said, brother, I have forgiven you from my heart, the other Christians you killed also love you and forgive you, if we who are just Christians could love you, how much more does Jesus love you? He wishes you to be in heaven with him more than you do. He wishes to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. He wishes to save you more than you want to be saved, if only you'd come to him. And that night, that murderer confessed everything he had done to that man and, and, to, and to Richard Wormer. He confessed every murder, everything, he, everyone he'd killed, and he received Jesus, and both of them died that night. Both of them died that night on Christmas Eve. That's the power of our gospel. Like, that's the power of the love of the Father. When we're persecuted, we, we have an opportunity to get downloaded the Father's love for someone so wicked that we could see him with his eyes. It may be the greatest thing. It doesn't happen when we're living in prosperity or ease or comfort. It doesn't happen. That, that kind of love doesn't just happen. It happens through suffering. It happens through the fire of rejection and pain. You know, I, I didn't take advantage of that. When I was sitting there in that moment, I felt hatred, offense, and, and, and revenge, you know, in my heart for that kid up there doing just what he was doing, you know, just a 17-year-old kid. But I could have said, Lord, thank you for this moment. What do you think about that guy up there named Paul? And the love of the Father could have flooded my soul for him and the brokenness happening in his own life and the deception he was, he was operating under and the bondage that he had in his own life. I could have been flooded with the love of the Father, but instead I just let offense and bitterness and revenge well up in me. And I think in this, in this moment in history, we have that choice as a church 
to do the same thing? Will we let offense and anger at what's happening and what's happening is in different ways. It's different for different people. You, you, you may go, I'm mad at this or I'm mad at that or this is, this is hard. But like, do we have an awareness that this moment in history, we can let the love of the Father well up inside of us that we could love those that we find in darkness or offending us or rejecting us? It's just, it's really a challenge. Blessed are those, happy are those who suffer because of doing what's right, for theirs is the kingdom. I believe that in the new heaven and the new earth, those who were martyred, those who were suffered, will be given rewards we cannot imagine. They'll be, given, they'll be given blessings and rewards, chances to lead in ways, whatever it may be. The new earth's gonna have all kinds of stuff, who knows? So they're gonna have cities and schools, who knows, governments. But those who've been, who've been martyred for their faith will have a chance to be honored to be loved and to be seen, finally to be seen. How many, how many Christians over the centuries who've died have never been seen? They're going to be seen. They're going to be honored. They're going to be glorified in a lot of ways, not in the same way as, as God, but they're going to be seen. So this morning, I just want to challenge us, like, who are your enemies? Have you suffered persecution? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for social rejection, emotional rejection? Because that actually is sometimes harder than physical. I would have rather been punched in the face that night versus experiencing the emotions that I experienced in that, in that experience. It was terrible. Sometimes emotional rejection, social rejection is worse. It's worse. And I think we're going to experience that in the coming years. You know, maybe, maybe God will send a revival and it'll, it'll change everything, but, but the way it's going, I, I believe that we're going to experience real, real suffering for Christ. Let's stand as we pray. Not the happiest of messages, you're going to die for Christ, but um, the reality is let's, let's open our eyes and, and ask the Lord to give us his heart, his heart for this, this beatitude. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you paved the way that you showed what love looks like and that you went to a cross. And, you, and from the cross, you looked down and said, Father, forgive them. Father, would you flood our hearts this morning with the same love of Jesus that could look at those who've hurt us because of righteousness for doing what's right and we could see them with your eyes and love them with your heart. God, we thank you that through suffering, through suffering, through rejection, we have a chance to become more like Jesus. We have a chance to become more like you. You are the humble God. You are the suffering king. And we love you this morning. Every idea of the kingdom, a different kingdom, the kingdom of ease and prosper, we just, we just let it go, Lord. And we say, we want to know you, Lord, and we want to walk through that which you have for us in this season in America, in Jacksonville, in our families, in our schools, in our jobs. We want to stand for love and for righteousness. We want to stand with you and not against you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.